flowers might have already started blooming following the recent warm streak, but gardening season is just now getting underway. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, and this week is the semi-annual Noon Edition Gardening Show. Spring officially begins on Monday, March 20th, so prepare your phones to ask our panelists how to get the most out of your gardens. We want to hear your questions after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with WFIU-WTIU News Bureau Chief Sarah Whitmire. And uh, March 20th, Monday, it's hard to believe, but Monday's the first day of spring, meaning that it's time for our spring gardening show. So we have our usual panelists, our very talented panelists, Don Adamson and Helen May here with us. Don is the retired Bloomington Valley nursery manager, and Helen is a retired co-owner of May's Greenhouse here in Monroe County. Uh, you can join us on the program at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside the Bloomington area. And you can also follow us on Twitter, at Noon Edition. So, Don and Helen, thanks for coming back in again today. Appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Always appreciate having you. So, it's cold outside. You know, we had some <laughs> warm weather. We've got all these flowers have already bloomed, and now it's cold again. So, what can we expect from that? Don? Well, the ones that have already bloomed or started to open their flowers are going to be messed up. <clears throat> the... Uh, I hate to say, but that includes quite a few of them, really. Mm -hmm. But uh, if the flowers have not opened yet, more than likely they will still be okay. All right. Helen, any? Uh, yeah, that's uh, true. The uh, uh, daffodils that were open, some of them are pretty well flat on the ground right. now. But if there are buds in that same group that haven't opened, they're probably going to go ahead and bloom and, and be all right later. Yeah. Okay. What about peonies? I are they they're not yet? they're not far enough along okay. uh i don't know if they've come up yet or uh, not. i haven't checked mine but i doubt if they're through the ground okay. my, over an inch or two if any if that much you know okay. and they're probably fine okay. right yeah Minor, minor up, maybe six inches or so. Oh boy! I kicked, I, I kicked a whole bunch of leaves up on them, <laughs> but maybe it's too far. They're too far gone. Maybe. Maybe no. that's where I heard it last week. You said they were. Up, I think. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. The main thing that on peonies, if you get a late freeze, is that it damages the buds, but they haven't formed yet, so. I don't suppose that they're hurt yet. So just if you have the red stalk, I think it's like a reddish colored stalk. If that's up. We're okay. Yeah. Yeah, if it just leaves and... Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know they did say that the cherry blossoms in Washington may not bloom this year for the first time ever. Oh, is that right? Wow. Right. Okay. Wow. Well, we have our first phone call of the day. We're, we know we get a lot of phone calls on gardening day, so we're going to go first to Dave, who's in Monticello. Dave? Yeah. Hello, I'm here. Hey, go ahead. Okay, sure. Hey, so, um, my wife's always... But for the last year, she's been bugging me all winter about pruning this big bush that's outside of our house. And I'm wondering if, if spring is a good time to do that. Depends on what it is. Yeah. Uh, do you know what it is? What variety? And it is. Uh, it's a Seven Sisters bush. <coughs> seven S Sisters. Yeah. Seven Sisters. Yeah. Well, they could. Oh, is, is it that? She's getting near the gutters. She's worried it's going to get in the gutters. It, it would be okay to go ahead and prune it, but I would do it as soon as possible so that it can go ahead and start to grow at the normal time. Okay. Thank you, sir. 
All right. That was a quick quick question and answer. But we have a second question already. Jane is on the phone. Jane? Um, hi. Um, we have a fairly decent-sized garden that has been overrun by red fescue, and I'm just wondering what we do to get rid of that. Is it a vegetable garden that you're... Yeah, it's a vegetable garden, and pretty much the, the grass choked everything out yes, last year. We had a couple of plants that made it through, but that stuff is just insidious. Now, has the grass started growing yet? Um, no, what's left right now is pretty much just the, you know, the, the dried out stuff that goes over the top. But you don't have new growths yet? Not, there's a couple of patches, but not much. Now, what you can do uh, once the grass starts, if you can find some Roundup that does not have a uh, seed preventer in, then uh -huh. then you can, but the grass has to be growing first. And okay. then, then you can spray it with this Roundup that does not have a pre-emergent in it, and uh, that will kill the grass. And will, okay, and you can... And you could still go ahead, and it would not affect the, any vegetables that you plant in there. Okay. And would it work for us to try and pull it up first? Would that help at all, or would that, that just sort of... That's, that's bad, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. What you want to do is let it sit until the new grass starts to green up. Okay. And th then once it greens up, then's when you spray it with the Roundup, and that will kill it. But okay. it so will we can, not kill. We can kind of we can plant through it at the same time. Well, you, you uh, it will not hurt the other plants if you use a, a Roundup that does not have pre-emergent in. But okay. it, but the grass has to be green, or you won't kill it. Okay. I'll be patient and wait for it to green up then. <laughs> okay, Jane. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks a lot. Our phone number is 812-855-0811-1877-285-9348 at Noon Edition if you want to follow us on Twitter. We're talking about gardening today, so we have Helen May and Don Adamson with us. Please uh, give us a call. Don, you mentioned the cherry trees in Washington, mm -hmm. but what about trees here? I mean, well, are, a lot of them. You can see the flowers have already turned black, and on I know the the magnolias, some of the pears, and that uh, the ones that were already that the flowers were opened up, and but like I said before, the ones that have not opened will probably be okay. The crab apples, the dogwood, and those will will still be fine. Those will be okay, but no magnolias this year. Not the uh, not those early ones. Helen, what, what kind of precautions have to be taken at, at the greenhouse like oh, weather, well, weather like this? Uh, we have a lot of things uh, with plastic tented over cold frames to offer protection. Uh, we use white plastic so the heat doesn't build up much inside. And actually it's a means <coughs> of uh, keeping them from getting quite so far ahead if you keep them shaded a little bit. Mm -hmm. But the the main thing is, of course, we keep everything we can in the greenhouses. And then when we start growing the annual crops, we have to move that stuff out. Uh, and we have a lot of cold frames for perennials. We have a white covered house that we keep uh, uh, trees and shrubs in, but those are being moved out now mm -hmm. uh, because it's time to get them out because they'll get too soft in there. Uh, it's... Um, in the days before white plastic, it was a real job trying to keep <laughs> things from freezing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Expensive, too. Yes, yes. yes. All right, we have a phone call from uh, Linda from Bloomington. Linda? Hello? Hey, go ahead. Hi. Um, okay, I have planted some Chinese chai in my, in my backyard, and it's starting to grow quite a bit, and I have some echinacea plants growing nearby it, and I noticed that the chives are also growing around the echinacea plants. How can I stop the chives from growing, overgrowing, and overtaking everything? I don't want any pesticides. Well, the old-fashioned way is now, while they're relatively short, 
is get a trowel and dig out everything you can. And then when they bloom in the summer, the ones you leave, don't let them go to seed. But uh, as far as a weed killer, you'd ha you'll have to be, I'm not certain what the most up-to-date weed killer would be for onion-type plants. Mm, I don't know. Uh, wild onions in your lawn, I know, are kind of hard to, to get after. Um, you probably should check with your local nurseryman on what he has that's recommended for killing wild onions or wild garlic. And then you're going to have to be very careful not to get it on your uh, perennial plants that you're trying to save. But they, they grow up and they multiply in two ways. They either bloom and set seed, which scatters and comes up, or the bulbs actually divide and spread out. But generally, that's a slower spread because the seed may go two or three feet away from the original plant. Uh, but about all you can do is try to dig those bulbs out that are really close to the plant and then see if you can find a weed killer for any that are far away. And in, in the future, don't let them go to seed. So there's no other way not to use any kind of weed killer? I mean, I like it to be as natural as possible because my cat likes to kind of All eat right. the pies. All right. If you don't want to use a weed killer, then your only real solution is a trowel and get after every little plant you find uh, and get the bulb out because if you don't get the bulb out, it'll just sprout again. So, okay. Okay. All right, thank Linda. Thank you so very much. Yeah, thank Linda. You. you have your work cut out for you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. All right. What about irises? Um, in terms of, the, I guess, irises, tulips, all those things that are bulbs right now, um, are those still going to make it fine? Uh, I would think so, unless yeah. unless uh, something really prodigious happened in the freeze, because uh, they're pretty hardy, and they don't bloom till May anyway, most of them. So they've got time to make some recovery and go ahead and, and bloom. And they're, they're pretty cold hard. Yeah, they're very durable, mm -hmm. the iris are. Mm -hmm. so even, the, though, even though they're on top of the ground, <laughs> they're tough. So the green part that is sprouting up, that's okay if that Oh, yes, if, if, it's, if it's just a little frizzled on the top or, you know, it'll be growing out and it'll grow some more leaves. And, uh, okay. are, are there any trees that we should be trimming right now? I mean, like if my yard, for example, there are some maples, oaks, all kinds of stuff that I would like to cut back. Is this a good time to be doing that? or? Yeah, this is a fine time to to be trimming your trees. Uh, any of them, now you must keep in mind you're going to be cutting off a lot of flowers by trimming at this time of year, but still if it's overgrown, you're wise to go ahead and trim it before it starts growing. Yeah. Because uh, the growth may come out where you don't want it. So, Okay, we're taking your phone calls today uh, about gardening. If you want to give us a call, 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Noon Edition. Uh, if you don't want to call, Sarah's got like 50 questions over here. That she's, <laughs> she, she wants big to ask. Yard. <laughs> <laughs> but we do want to we do want to hear from you, and we usually do during this show. So please feel free to give us a call now and and get in. I just want to ask, you know, what what is so the first day of spring is Monday. I mean, what what typically should people be doing to get their their gardens ready this time of year? Well, the main thing is to clean them up uh, and get the remainder of the leaves up from fall, and uh, <clears throat> and a lot of people remulch at this time of year too. And because that will help keep them healthy going through this, the hot summer that we're going to have. Mm -hmm. so and you may come across some weeds that have come up since in the autumn and, and under things and get them out while they're small. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the per, more perennial weeds and, and things that get big fast like Queen Anne's lace. And uh, you do better to get them out now while they're young and before there's too many of them. But you can dig them out now and also... As soon as they're green, you can you can use the chemical sprays. Mm -hmm. So, is there like a win a good window for mulch? I mean, I, I always you know, we mulch a lot of stuff every every mm -hmm. spring, and sometimes I feel like 
we're waiting too long to get it done? I mean, can you can you wait too long to get your mulch? Well, down? the later the later you wait, the more weeds are going to get started because mulch is used to keep the weeds down. Mm-hmm. So the longer you wait, the more weeds are going to get started. That's why what I like to do is, as I mentioned, treat with a chemical and then put the mulch down mm-hmm. right after that. Seems like in our household, we you know we make a trip out to, to Maze or to Bloomington Valley Nursery and we come back with you know tons of new stuff that we're gonna plant every year and we always like to wait until after that to mulch. Seems like a yeah. logical thing to do. Well, right? if, you have, if you have established perennials and, and you know things that when they grow up will be fairly dense, it's much easier on you to mulch while they're still quite small. And of course you mulch around the perennials, you don't smother them, uh, mm-hmm. but you get the ground, the open space in between plants covered to keep those weeds from coming up. And one one thing, people put on too much mulch. You say that every year, I know, <laughs> I remember that every year. And one <laughs> thing, true. as Helen mentioned, a lot of perennials will rot if you put too much mulch right up around them. And the tree trunks should be, the mulch should not be to the tree trunks uh, because it, it can cause problems with the bark and on a soft bark tree. I, I see that now, and I, every time I see it, I think of you, Don, because, you know, I, I, you know that there's no space around that tree, yeah. and, you know, people will mulch right up. Right up next to it. Didn't you say before that if you have a problem with a lot of weeds, you still shouldn't put down that plastic? I don't like it because the end result is always somewhere down the road a, a problem uh, when you think, I've got to get this mess out of here, and it's all covered with mulch, and it's hard to do. But yeah. um, an organic mulch, I think, would be preferable in the long run in most cases. And, and never put over three to four inches of mulch. Of mulch. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people say, "Well, a little bit's good, but a lot, but a lot that's better. Yeah, it'll last longer. Yeah. But it can cause problems too." Mm-hmm. Is there any real difference between the kinds of you know? You'll see all sorts of different colors of mulch and and kinds of mulch. Is there any real difference between them? Well, most of the colored mulches are dyed that color. They're they are. Now, one thing I don't like about the colored mulches is they're made, they're not bark mulches. They are made of wood. They take old pallets and grind them up and then spray them whatever color you want. Uh, Personally, I like the the bark mulches uh, better. They last longer uh, without deteriorating and uh, they don't go through a heating period or anything. But... But most of the dyed uh, colored mulches are made from wood fiber or old pallets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's interesting. Why do they call it cypress? And well, now cypress. Well, <laughs> cypress is is an uh, actual natural mulch. Now the cypress they they grind the whole tree anymore. It's not a cypress bark. It's they grind the whole tree anymore for cypress. But that's still a good mulch. It's a natural mulch, and the hardwood is a natural mulch. But the ones that are dyed red and even dyed black a lot of times uh, are are wood fiber, not not bark at all. Okay. It seems to defeat the purpose of it, but I don't know, of yeah. gardening. Yeah. Is mulching – are you supposed to do that every year? Most people put some down, but if you just – put you know an inch or two each year more of a more of a decorative thing than anything that's what people use mulch for more more for decoration than for actual uh holding moisture or controlling weeds like it like it was originally used for yeah all right, I want to give our numbers again, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. We have Helen May and Don Adamson with us, and we're talking about spring gardening, of course. So what about uh, soils and preparation for for getting your gardens? Are there are there major differences or significant differences in, like, soils and composts or 
can you buy? Well, the main thing with soils is you don't want to work them while they're real wet. Right. Because if you have any clay at all in there, it's going to compact and make hard lumps and knots, and it's just not good for the roots of your plants. Um, but um, mulches generally, as they decay, will supply a certain amount of nutrients. But also they improve the structure of your soil so that the roots can penetrate more easily. Uh, very often if I'm digging in a really clay area for to plant some things, I will add some uh, sand and some organic material, uh, compost or cow manure or something, mm -hmm. to improve the structure of that clay soil because that will make a big difference in how well your plants grow. And we oh. talked about the mulching each year. That mulching really helps to make the soil better over the period of years and well, as, it, as it breaks down. What about in gardening, in like the window boxes? Well, should you, in something like that, do you just need to put potting soil in it or what would you, you suggest? I would, I would get a, you need a, a light uh, soil that will hold some moisture but not stay waterlogged. And a potting mix is a good choice. Now you can mix up your own potting soil. You 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 get some just some regular garden soil. It's pretty good, and and some uh, uh, peat moss and some sand, and you mix them together, and it makes a pretty good all-purpose potting soil. In fact, when we started the greenhouse, that's how we made all our soil. Because <laughs> we had a field out, out by the creek where we could dig up vast quantities of topsoil. Uh, but um, also it's lighter weight than heavy garden soil, and if you have to move the plants around or something, it, it's a little easier on your back. Yeah. yeah, don't use too much peat because that, that will hold moisture. Okay. And waterlog the soil like Helen said you don't want it to do. All right. We have a phone call from Jennifer from Bloomington. Jennifer? Hi there. Hey. I'm calling about the scourge of moles and wondering what could be done um, in an environmentally safe, um, except for the moles, um, <laughs> fashion. I learned to love them. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Consider them your little family <laughs> friends. <laughs> so sorry, Jennifer. Uh, Get a mole cat. <laughs> we have a great cat that brings moles to us all throughout the season, and the cats won't eat them, but they they're good at catching them. Mm -hmm. uh, the main thing is you can you can do it yourself or hire someone to poison all the moles. But uh, a few months later, they'll move in from your neighbor's property, probably, and start up again. It's, it's a perpetual problem. If you have good soil with lots of insects in it, you're going to have some moles. Um, you can be brave and just knock those mounds down and uh, uh, keep after trying to make it look halfway presentable. Uh, but you can buy mole poisons at your... your uh, garden supply places and uh, kind of knock the numbers down a little but you never get rid of them a hundred percent you know for all time okay I have to ask read, read the directions very well because there's there are all kinds of little tricks of do's and don'ts when you use that because it is poison yeah it know. is poison but not only that the uh, they will avoid it if you if you handle it without gloves and this kind of thing. So are there read any, the directions. Are there any um, traps like live catching traps? I know I've heard of the kind that you know. Uh, what are you going to do with him when you catch him? I have no I have no idea. <laughs> We're not looking that far ahead. Right, right. <laughs> Jennifer, are you uh, sufficiently horrified by all this? Uh, pretty much. I guess it's just going to be live and let live. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what about those little those little spinny things? You know what I'm talking about that kids yeah, play they, with? They just kind of shy them off a little bit because they make a noise as they spin, and and moles don't like any kind of movement. Oh, or give that, so try that. Do you know what try I'm that. talking about? Those yeah, yeah. they they kind of go knock 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 knock. Yeah, only yeah. not real loud, so you can hear it. But the moles get the vibration, mm -hmm. and it probably does annoy the heck out of them, and uh, they may move a little bit, 
but it's not a permanent solution by any means. Mm-hmm. Have you tried those, Jennifer? Um, actually, I have, and uh, no. I've, it didn't I've work. I've almost everything, so <laughs> I think, you know, last-ditch effort. I used to know an old lady who stood out calmly in her yard every morning leaning on her spade. And as soon as she saw the earth move, she stabbed it and killed the mole. But I don't have that kind of patience. <laughs> I think that person was my grandmother. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they will probably be worse this year, too, because the ground didn't even hardly freeze this winter. Jennifer, is there another question we could help you with that might, <laughs> might, we might have a better answer? <laughs> That's okay. Thanks for your help. All right. Thank you. The phone number is, again, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 outside the Bloomington area. And you can follow us on Twitter. At Noon Edition, we're talking with Helen May and Don Adamson about spring gardening. Go ahead and give us a call in the second half of the program. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. We're talking about gardening on Noon Edition today. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, along with Sarah Whitmire, and we have our two guests, our gardening experts, Helen May from May's Greenhouse, retired co-owner of May's Greenhouse, and Don Adamson, retired Bloomington Valley Nursery Manager. If you have questions or comments about your garden this year, give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. And also you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So we talked about moles. I want to bring up the other um, animal that is so prevalent around Bloomington, the deer. So what have, what are you hearing about the, the deer population this year? Has it, has it dissipated at all? Is it just as bad as it's always been? Well, well, because of the mild weather, they haven't been quite as awful a pest in my garden, but of course my garden's out in the countryside. In town where there's just not much choice of where they eat, uh, I don't suppose it's, uh, I suppose it's been the usual problem. We've seen a lot of them in our neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so just give us a a, a few tips for how, how people can, should, if they have a lot of deer, what should they do to try to to reduce the amount of damage deer are going to do? The main thing is try to plant, plant plants that they aren't particularly happy eating. Now, they'll eat about anything, but they prefer some plants over others. So I know, I'm sure maize do, everyone has a list of plants that are not favorites of the deer. And that's that's the best thing to kind of use that because uh, like I say they'll uh, well, if they get real hungry they'll eat about anything but they they do have favorites yeah there are certain plants that you you just may come to avoid because you know the deer will eat them if you plant them mm-hmm. hostas uh, a lot of hostas uh, hostas uh, Japanese ewes they eat, they mm-hmm. eat my u bushes uh, and uh, almost kill them and I gave up growing garden flocks, the tall ones, because the deer always ate them. Mm-hmm. Uh, every one. And they like roses, rose buds, little tender rose leaves. Um, one thing you can do is to get a, there are repellents that you can spray on 
And what you need to do is have a couple, three different ones and spray with one. And then when that time has elapsed, uh, try a different one because they get used to them and they'll just go ahead and, and eat. Mm -hmm. uh, I have deer in my area that in bad, a bad winter started eating the yucca leaves and they see it every winter now. They nibble off the yucca leaves. And they just look horrible. <laughs> what are a couple of your favorite repellents? Because I'm shocked at how expensive the they, deer repellents are. They are. That's why I say you can't just keep it on all the time. What you do is spray, and it'll say every two weeks or every three weeks or, you know, and then switch to another one. And just the most susceptible things. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, and there are plants that they really don't like that mostly plants that are, are highly scented, like sage, for instance, or uh, there are a few uh, evergreens they won't eat, aren't there, Dom? Some, some of the arborvitas? Or? They, they have developed newer varieties. Arborvita technically has always been one of their favorites. Well, in the last few years, they have developed some new varieties that they will not eat. So uh, there are favorites. Also, some of the uh, systemic insecticides that go through the plant system makes, uh, makes the plants so that they don't like, like the taste of them. All right. We have a phone call from Gabriel from Belmont. He may have some help with us on the moles. Gabriel, go ahead. Hey, howdy. I just... Uh Heard y'all talking about moles and deer and critters, and we uh, run a company called Designscape over in Belmont, and I just figured I'd call in. And sure. I, yeah. I just got in the vehicle, and I didn't hear, did anyone mention about the gummy worms being uh, successful for moles? No, sir, we did not. So those, for us, have been the most successful thing. Um, you got to stop down all their runs. And then the next day you come out and find the active run, and you can buy that stuff, those things everywhere. I'm sure they have them at Mays or Bloomington Valley um, or even just a local big box. But if you drop them down at the end of the active run, those moles get down in there, and then they eat those gummy worms, and then they, it basically just causes an, an internal cardiac problem, and then they die. Um, the one thing that I always tell customers to be really careful of is the fact that that doesn't move out of their system. So if they crawl up to the surface or you've got dogs that want to dig around and eat them after the fact, um, that could be a uh, cause for concern. I got you. So are these gummy worms, uh, the note here says poison gummy worms. So do you actually add poison to regular gummy worms? No, or are they... no, no, no. They're, no. They're actually called poisonous gummy worms. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Mold bait or anything else. They just literally look like long gummy worms. I mean, that's exa almost exactly what they look like. I see. They're just in that same mold, you know, injection mold as like a regular gummy worm. But I would, no, don't eat these. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> if, if they, they just clog up the mold's intestines because yeah. uh, like now, you wouldn't want your dogs to eat one of your cat. It's internal through their cardio, mm -hmm. cardiovascular mm -hmm. system. Yeah. So I think it's a bleeding mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Sure gotcha. Okay. So. And then, uh, you know, I'm just talking about uh, deer repellent. Yes, sir. The, there is a product that is the most, probably the most expensive one called Liquid Deer Fence, and um, that has been the most successful for us. Um, as a quick caveat, the newer version of Liquid Deer Fence, I guess, got bought by another company, and if you read the back of the box, the rates are the same application of rate, but the active ingredients are much less. And so I have found that you actually have to put down more of the new product than what they say on the label. Um, they basically send it out and sell it for the same price. Oh, uh, okay. To be aware of as well. Okay. And then the arborvitaes you were just talking about, those are called uh, spring grove. Oh, yeah. The potata, tomentosum, I think, but spring grove arborvitaes. They're pyramidal, and those are the ones that um, deer don't generally eat, but I have even those... Um, you know, in a cold winter like we had a couple of years ago, we still had plenty of those get eaten by deer. Right. Gabriel, thanks a whole lot for calling us. We appreciate all your uh, sure. all your input. Sure, you're very welcome. All I'm right. just glad to give a little info. I fight those same things all the time. And, you know, every customer that lives around here, that's the first thing they ask is molds and deer. I mean, <laughs> right. all the time. So. <laughs> all right. Hey, thanks a lot for the yeah. call. 
For sure. Enjoy it. Bye. Uh-huh. All right. Our phone numbers again, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington, one 285 outside of the Bloomington area. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So what should folks be planting now? Or is there anything they should be planting? Any Any trees and shrubs. Uh, I like to plant them as early as you can because uh, they're still dormant at this time and there's as much less stress on trees when they're planted in the dormant state than after they leaf out. So now is really a good time to plant trees and shrubs of, of any kind. Maybe a little early on some of the perennials. Yeah, probably. Uh, the main trouble with planting perennials too early is that the soil is in no condition to to work, and you may end up with a brick when it dries out in the summer there. So, so you want the soil to be workable. But a lot of perennials can be planted pretty early, and you can always put a little protection over them temporarily, uh, turn a cardboard box or a basket over them on bad nights if you planted something really early. Um, about the only bulbs that the spring and summer bulbs that I know of that you could plant now would be uh, hardy lilies because they are quite hardy and you plant them pretty deep, most of them about four inches or so. So those you probably could put in if the soil's good. Should you, know. you be should you be dividing perennials right now? Or yeah. It depends, on what, it depends on what they are, and, and uh, the trouble with perennials is you have so many kinds. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there are a few things that I think you probably, if, if the soil is so you feel you can work it, uh, I expect daylilies probably could be divided. Uh, a few things like that mm-hmm. that are pretty tough anyway. Uh, it's, it's not a good time to do iris. Iris should be done like in, in July or early August. It's oh, the best okay. time for those. Um, and there are a few perennials you do not want to move unless you absolutely have to. And that would be peonies and, uh, um, I can't think of its name now. Gas plant is something if once you get one growing, precious thing, don't ever move it. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is a time to prune a good lot time of things. To prune. But you need to know what you're pruning because if it's a spring-blooming shrub like lilacs, you cut all the buds off. Uh, whereas if it's uh, something that blooms way up later in the year, you can prune in the spring. But if you prune spring-flowering shrubbery at this time of year, you cut the flower buds off. But if it's something like forsythia that was already in bloom and now well, you just have a mess, yeah, go ahead and do it. Yeah, right. forsythia is one of those things anytime you want to wag on it. That's you're right. You're not going to hurt them. <laughs> I don't know. I think I may have killed a couple. <laughs> Many of the forsythia have already flowered this year and got and got messed up. Yeah. So. But uh, you're not going to hurt Prasithia anytime. We're uh, starting to line up some phone calls, but let me ask a quick question before we go to the phones about about bees. You know, we've had a whole program in here about bees and the fact that they're sort of endangered. Are there? I mean, can you talk about that a little bit? Are you seeing any effect of of fewer bees around the area? Or I, I really haven't seen that much effect. Of course, I'm not involved with the fruit production that much, but the the flowers will bloom with or without the bees, but uh, the, it's the fruit production that's re- on sh- different shrubs and trees that's really affected. There are some small native bees that aren't honeybees that you can encourage in your garden. Uh, at uh, Bloomington Valley, they've got some little uh, houses made for them to lay their eggs in, and they're very different from regular bees. Uh, but you can encourage their appearance. And also, to encourage bees, you need to keep them something in bloom year as long th- through the year as possible, not just in the spring or just when you want that crop. But you need bloom spring to fall mm-hmm. to keep them eating and happy. Okay, okay. thank you. We, we've got three phone calls lined up, so let's go to Dave first from Bloomington. Dave? Hi. Um, I've read a couple of articles that uh, are telling me that we're going to have a bad year for ticks. Um, can you maybe talk just a little bit about that for me? 
Well, well we've, we've had bad years for the last several years, I know. Seems like they're every place. I live in woods, and we're continuing to find them throughout the summer. Uh, I don't know of any anything that works to keep them from showing up. No, uh, they tend to be... Um to hang on to something, some plant, and as you brush by, they drop off on you very often. Not from overhead necessarily, but on your legs or so forth. Your best bet is to wear light-colored gardening clothes, and when you come in uh, from gardening, uh, take them off and inspect them for ticks, and inspect your body for ticks. And uh, you can use DEET to spray on your uh, pants cuffs and so forth. Um, I like to put to uh, uh, wear stockings that will allow me to tuck in my uh, cuffs of my pants so that ticks don't can't crawl up; they have to crawl <laughs> over. <laughs> so there's a couple of a couple of precautionary things you can do, Dave. I, I know uh, you know as a guy who has we always have dogs, and when we let them out, we have to check them over really carefully when they come back in. But they've been bad for the last several years here. I know some landscaping services do these things where they come out and treat your lawn, and it's supposed to help with mosquitoes. They spray it with something. It's supposed to help with mosquitoes, supposed to help with ticks. It's right. There, there are different insecticides that, as you say, help with uh, all the different pests like that, really. <clears throat> Is that effective? Yes and no. <laughs> they, they come back, uh, and most people don't continue to do it every couple of months or something like that. All right, Dave. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Appreciate the call. Let's go next to Sherry from Bloomington. Sherry? Hi. Yes. I have a condo that has um, metal siding and flower beds that wrap around the uh, condo. I've noticed a green-looking mold that's growing on the siding, and I wonder what product you would recommend to use to clean that siding that isn't toxic to the ground or the vegetation. Probably most people use a bleach solution to spray it, but you do not want to get it on the plants. It, right. it, but um, that's probably the best to use, but, but cover your plants so that you don't get it on them. Um, okay. I don't think it, will, it will hurt the soil or the roots around the plants, but you do not want to get it on the foliage. So just uh, straight bleach, or you, do you mix oh, it two to one? Or? Check and check with the garden centers and see what kind of mix, or even some building people, they might have more of a, uh, an idea for that. You're just talk, you're talking about mold, mold that's right there on the on the siding, on the siding right yeah. next to the, right, the right, garden. growing on the siding. Yeah, so it's the bright green. Stuff. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it may be simply be moss of some kind, uh, in wow. which in which case uh, uh, anything that will kill moss on the ground uh, would uh, you could use it to wash the siding with. But again, some of those things you don't want to get great quantities on plants because. If it'll kill the moss, it'll uh, damage other plants, too. Right, right. Okay. All right, very good. Thank you so much. All right, Sherry. Thank you. And uh, we have a call from Albertine from Avon. Albertine, are you there? Uh, we can hear his radio. Albertine, can you, did you have a question? Yes. I'd like to know something about the crabgrass control and is since this was a light winter would that be applied earlier or when and how much now no it in fact uh, it can be put on much later than now crabgrass does not come up until the soil temperature gets much warmer than it is and it can be put on even in april um, especially this year now that we've had these cold nights because it's all pre-emergent. Uh, so as long as it has not uh, come up, it, it can go down uh, and take care of the, the crabgrass. One application of that in the spring will take care of it for the whole season. There are lots of uh, 
any of your fertilizer companies have a crabgrass pre-emergent, usually with fertilizer. All right, Albertine, does that work? Yes. Okay. Hey. Uh, Thanks for calling. What call- do you use oh, to do ahead. that with? What do you use to kill it with? Well, like I say, each fertilizer company has their own uh, chemical that they use, but it, it, just any of those major companies, it would be, it would do a good job. It's it's very easy to accomplish. And there are different ways of applying it. Uh, you can get a hose-in sprayer. You can get a little wheeled cart uh, that will spill the fertilizer and the weed uh, preventer or the grass preventer. Uh, depend a lot on your own situation, how large an area you have to treat, um, and what you'd prefer to, to do. You probably should check with wherever you buy your uh, chemical and uh, see what they recommend and have them show you what they might uh, suggest you use. Because any, any of the major products for crabgrass will, will work. It's very easily done. All right. Hey, thanks for calling us from Avon. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. We have about uh, eight minutes to go on the program, so if you want to slip in a last call, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. I think we uh, have another phone call that's coming in. Well, while we're waiting on that, if I can go ahead, um, if like I'm I'm very fortunate, I have a poinsettia that's still alive. Can I plant? If I plant that outside, will that do anything here? It'll make a lovely green bush and grow all summer. Uh, it will first frost will kill it. Uh, if you want to keep it in a pot and bring it back in, then there are instructions available for getting it to color. It has to do with day length, uh, the hours of day in, or of light in each 24. <laughs> so you may have to set it in a closet at a certain hour at night or something to keep it, to get really? it to come into bloom. But it's not a difficult plant to grow. So I can plant it outside, then move it back in, potentially. Yeah, or you might, if you're going to move it back in, I just keep it in a pot, put it in a little bigger pot and, and keep it in a pot all summer. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of myself for keeping it alive, yeah. <laughs> for the record. <laughs> yeah. All right. We want to get to the first phone call if we can. All right. Hello? Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah. Um, I've got a, a real problem with autumn olive. Um, oh, I, I keep trying to cut it back, and it just it just doesn't want to stay cut back. It, it that's another one like for Cynthia. You cannot hurt it. Well, but I, I don't want it at <laughs> she all. She wants to hurt it. <laughs> I want it to stay in the woods, not you, in my yard. You will have to grub the roots out if you want to get rid of it. You might yeah. kill it. You might kill it by getting some brush killer. Some. Uh, you can buy a product called brush killer. Okay. And, and you cut the the thing off, and mm-hmm. immediately within five ten minutes. Paint the cuts in the stub of the plant with this brush killer. Okay. Use a paintbrush or something. And okay. uh, do wear gloves. Don't get it on you. Okay. And, yeah, it's it's a nightmare. There are fields in Bloomington that are absolutely packed with it. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere. And, you know, it's, it's as bad as honeysuckle or worse, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, I'll keep at it because there's, it's, there's just too much. There's just too much of it. Well, the more you can kill, the better. Come to my house if you want to. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, thank you very much for the call. Uh-huh. Let's go to uh, Susan in Brown County next. Susan? I think we just lost Susan. Let's go to, do we have Tom in Bloomington? Just oh. lost Tom. <laughs> We're having some troubles there with our phone. Autumn olive, that's another one of those invasive plants, right? right. Autumn yes, olive and, and it was, it was uh, recommended as a natural bird food, and it's a nice plant. It, it smells nice when it blooms, has a tiny little bloom, but it has simply been spread. It's worse than multiple rows, and it has just been spread through the woods and fields and everywhere, and it is really an invasive plant. And if you can dig it out, dig it out. 
All right. I think we may have one of our callers back. So let's go to Susan again. Susan? Yes. Go right ahead. Um, I just wanted to tell everybody of a product that I used for the first time. I've known about it for years, and I used it a couple of years ago. The gentleman who has invented it is local, and you buy it online. It's called wirelessgearfence.com. I'm not a relative, but I am a friend, and I, I swear by it. Um, it is non-poisonous. Um, it's hard to believe that this little thing he's invented, it's a little stick you put in the ground that has a battery and a special solution at the top, and you got to do it at the beginning of the season. The deer come in, and they're um, allured by that smell. They get shot, and they don't come back. And that's the first time I've had hostas survive the entire year and be in bloom and the greens, everything is great. So I just plant it wherever I know the deer are starting to walk. So that they go to that first, they get shocked, and then they go away. Sarah's smiling really big. I think she wants. Oh to no, I know about this. Oh, yeah. uh, my my old neighbor was trying to get me to to get one because I love the deer, but I just don't like it when they eat my plants. Um, well, you can't even see it. it it's yeah. green. It fits right in. Yeah, they're and presenting this at a gardening show. I think actually right now in Philadelphia they or somewhere. Are. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yes, yeah, yeah. and it's wonderful. So, all right. What I wanted to say. Where do you get them? <laughs> Online. Online. On this okay. Website wirelessdeerfence.com. Okay. All right. Susan, thanks a lot for calling. We appreciate it. Uh Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right. Sarah, we have time for one quick question. Do you have a quick question? Uh, I don't think. Oh, houseplants? Very Uh, quick. Very quick. But is there something I should be doing? Because it looks like they're busting at the seams all of a sudden. Should I transplant them? Well, if they're just really getting crowded and you have to water really often because they're, you know, there's just too much plant there for the pot, yes, they probably need to move to a larger pot or be divided and put in several smaller pots. Or So I can divide a house plant just like anything it, else? Depending on what it is. <laughs> you go down to the greenhouse and you ask for Sheila. She's the gal in the, in the house plant house, and she'll tell you what... Whatever kind your plant is, she'll tell you how to redo it. All right. We are out of time. Thank you, as always, Helen May and Don Adamson. And thank you, Sarah. It's always nice to do the gardening show with you. (laughs) For producer Ryan DiBattista and engineer Mike Pashash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.